Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Practice Makes Faithful podcast. We are here in episode 15. Uh, as we're recording this, it is Easter Monday, so we are the day after Easter. It's been a great full week here at Grace Chapel. I've had a bunch of services, different environments going on. It's been a great time. Uh, I'm joined, as always, by Paul Hubert. Yeah, here this uh, this day, kind of uh, definitely, like you said, I mean, we're, we're here. We're both, I think, probably a little worn thin, yeah. as you can hear it in my voice uh, yep, right yep. now, um, you know, preaching a couple of services and uh, everything else that went along with the Easter weekend. Uh, I feel fine, but, That's good. Uh, That's but good. I've got a little bit of, uh, of a thing going on with the voice this morning, so yeah, yeah. that's what it is. How was, how was the weekend for you? Any, oh, any highlights, yeah. anything in particular? Yeah, I think... Um, you know, in so many ways, and we've said this probably to the point that people are tired of it, but, uh, you know, there are so many things that we are experiencing here kind of uh, post at least the pandemic phase of, mm-hmm, of COVID mm-hmm. that uh, that just feels so good and feels so right in a sense. Yeah. You know, uh, back and, and having uh, the two services yesterday and um, just such a large crowd of people back mm-hmm, in the, mm-hmm. the excitement, the enthusiasm, the energy. Um, not hampered by this constant thought of, oh, we got a whole bunch of people together. What is that going to mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so that definitely uh, just just that that the feeling of um, you know uh, kind of kind of goodness and rightness and being able to lean fully into the celebration of uh, of Easter Sunday was good. And then uh, we got together with uh, some folks in our small group yesterday for okay. lunch, which was neat. Cool. Uh, some of us that didn't have family. Uh, in the area, and that was really fun too. That's I mean, awesome. We really enjoyed kind of a time of celebration and fellowship, and, and a really awesome meal. We had this mm-hmm. uh, one of the guys in our small group made this uh, uh, flank steak, Ooh. Um, done on the grill, seared, nice uh, kind of medium in the middle. Man, it was. I know <laughs> if you're listening to this, I apologize, Sounds especially if it's just before amazing. lunch or dinner or something like that. And now, I've, now I've made you, uh, you know, you're kind of having Pavlov's dog response over there. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was it was fantastic. A little horseradish mm. sauce with it, boy. Yeah, it was good. So he's a, he's a former chef, by the way. Okay, so that, okay. That really makes for uh, for for something special. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. So yeah, it was a, it was a really nice weekend. How about you? It's wonderful. I had a great one myself. Yeah, we just had had a couple friends over and just had a nice yeah. nice weekend. Our nice uh, Easter meal. Did have yeah. a fun little occurrence in the uh, so we're playing a game and look out on our front lawn and there's a horse walking across our oh, front wow. lawn. Apparently, I, I live a little bit in the country. Um, right. Yeah. Enough yeah, that there's yeah. horses and uh, apparently like someone's horse got free and was just trying across our front lawn and yeah. and we tried to cha- uh, trace down their horse and we you couldn't know. the horse got in the woods somewhere and it's I nice think to take an Easter stroll ended up in a neighborhood I don't horse. know <laughs> yeah so, that's, that's wild yeah yeah that, that was is. fun I mean literally kind of <laughs> wild so yeah just on a more serious note I mean, it really was a yeah. phenomenal weekend just yeah. here at Grace Chapel loved the stuff going on I got to lead a Passover dinner with some yes. of the youth it's on the youth. Yep. Friday night which was a really cool experience mm-hmm. it's, it's been really good yeah, yeah. So many, so many, uh, so many things that, that we did were really just truly centered on on celebrating, mm-hmm, rejoicing, mm-hmm. Um, and and boy, that just again, uh, there's something about that experience coming together yeah. communally, communally to really celebrate, rejoice. Whether it's at a sunrise service or the communion and hymn service, yep, or yep. together with the youth and some of the things you did, um, there's just there's just something about that moment, which is why again, I think. 
you know, God had, has called his people through thousands of years to celebrate, to remember, to have moments mm-hmm. of rejoicing, mm-hmm. um, you know, and moments of other things, sorrow and lament as well. But mm-hmm. uh, those moments of celebration, especially when we're talking about the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, um, boy, you know, there's, there's very few things in life uh, that are more powerful and moving, even as we were singing some of the songs we were singing during mm-hmm. worship. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's another part of the reason why my voice is the way it is, because, you know, just yeah. so yeah. engaged in some of these yeah. songs, singing about God being, you know, our living hope and that we have this living God that we serve. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and knowing that's true uh, and being able to feel that with, with all of my heart, express that with with all of myself uh, in, in that, you know, it's just... Uh, it was a special day. It sure. really was. Yeah, yeah really for was. Certain. And in that, we uh, we did continue with our series, Ascent. Yeah. So what we're going to dive into more today. So you had the next part, part three yes. of that message series. And uh, so just to kind of catch people up a little bit who mm-hmm. may have not tuned in or maybe just need a little refresher, this series, Ascent, what, what's this been all about? Yeah, so, you know, oftentimes with Easter, if you're in a series, you'll kind of put that series on pause and you'll do very much a, a resurrection-centered message, um, you know, but, but it was, uh, you know, this particular message, as we'll talk about in a minute, fit right in with the flow of this series and very intentionally so kind of designed that way uh, as we are looking at this series called Scent for the month of um, you know, for April, and we are, we're talking about the fact that we have been sent or commissioned to go into the world. So we've been walking through a progression, looking at the way that Jesus engaged with his early disciples, but then also making especially kind of later New Testament connections with these gospel stories um, and kind of finding our part connected to the, either mm-hmm. those gospel stories or to those themes that come out of the gospels. And so we began with uh, the idea out of Luke 6 that we've been called and chosen. Mm-hmm. Just as the disciples were called and chosen, we see that again through these passages, especially in the writing of Paul and even in Peter, um, that we as well as followers of Jesus have been called and chosen. And you know, the earliest disciples, Luke 6, were called and chosen on a mountainside, wherever you happened to be in that moment that um, you knew that, that God was calling you or choosing you to go into the world and, or, you know, or to, to just follow him actually first, you know, go into the world is where we're heading with this. But, uh, you know, that just God was choosing you to follow him, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and for some, you know, it, it may be now as we're walking along. I, I know I've had conversations with some folks uh, after that first message and even into the second week after the kind of the recap of that, that conversation about being called and chosen, um, you know, with, with some folks who've been, I think, following Jesus for years, um, who just then made really the connection that they were also called and chosen. Um, so mm-hmm. we went from that to uh, this kind of later conversation in Luke, ch- chapters 9 and 10, looking at Jesus equipping first the 12 for mm-hmm. ministry. And, and certainly he didn't do that just in chapter 9 as he sent mm-hmm. them out for the first time and kind of gave them authority uh, to go um, uh, kind of live uh, a, a short-term mission for him without him. Um, he does that again with the 72 in Luke 10, uh, certainly all throughout his ministry with those disciples yeah. and those others well, with that, him, he was equipping them. In that message last week, we have a lot of conversation about the apprentice model, how yes. he apprenticed right. his disciples and yes. moving forward too. Was, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So Jesus was, you know, in that kind of a, a master rabbi and the yeah. way that he apprenticed his disciples by having them watch what he was doing and then having conversations about it and then having them try it and then having conversations about it so that he could eventually 
truly send them out in, into the world, yeah. uh, which, is, which is where we're heading. And then making the connection as well that, uh, that you know, God is still at work equipping his people today um, through the work of the Holy Spirit within each individual yeah. believer's life, um, through the, the work of the Word of God. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, 2 Timothy 3.16, you know, that this scripture is God-breathed and it's useful for teaching, mm -hmm, training, mm -hmm. equipping. It's got, you know, rebuking, correcting in there as well. But, uh, but that, that the word is at work if we, if we absorb that word into our lives. And then finally, you know, we talked about last week that through the church, God is also uh, mm -hmm, at work. Mm -hmm. That's Ephesians 4. Um, you know, really training and equipping us for for the ministry that that all of us are called into, and it's it's yeah. an all of us sort of thing. So that's kind of so, the background for where we've been so far. Yeah. So where that where that take us this week for this week's yeah. message or Easter Sunday message? Well, in this uh, so the Easter Sunday message is kind of a, a hinge in this series to some degree, mm -hmm. where you know very much we want to zoom into to what Jesus was experiencing. Certainly, kind of the Passion Week and. Um, actually, we looked at uh, in John 17 some some things that would have taken place after Jesus had had uh, you know shared the, the Lord's Supper, that meal where he takes the the, the Passover as we kind of reconnected with this past week ourselves, and he kind of focuses in on a couple elements of the Passover, the bread and then the cup, um, and then after that, as they seem to kind of go out, you know and. Um, you know, either happens in that room or maybe they're starting to make their transition. There are a number of other things that happen, including this prayer that we see in John 17. Mm -hmm. And that's really where we, we focused in. So that was really kind of the heart of this week's message was the John 17 prayer. And there's so much that happens in that prayer. Mm -hmm. um, we see uh, Jesus talking to his father on a very personal level. Um, then we see Jesus talking to his father about his disciples. Um, then we see Jesus talking to his father about all who would come after the, his disciples because of the message that they were then going to go and preach. And so there's multiple different movements in that prayer. All, by the way, um, you know, his disciples would have been uh, right there. I think all of them listening to the words that he was praying. So even mm -hmm. in that moment, there's still this equipping, this conversation going on. They're getting a glimpse into what Jesus is talking to his father about. And then we see toward the end of that chapter, or we see, you know, in the next movement in John's gospel, um, we see that then they go to the Garden uh, of Gethsemane later, where these later prayers take place, which sometimes people have wondered was this part of kind of that prayer that Jesus prays in Gethsemane. It certainly seems not to be according to John. This seems mm -hmm. to be a, a different prayer uh, that he was praying leading up to that moment in mm -hmm. Gethsemane. And so, uh, so we spent a little bit of time there um, because there, there, is, um, there are some really, really important pieces connected directly to this series in that John 17 prayer, some, some language that's really important that allows us to get a glimpse into what Jesus was thinking first as he's speaking directly to his Father. Then some, some very specific language about his disciples connected to himself as well as he's talking to his father and we'll, we'll get into this in a bit as he's saying you know basically as you sent me into the world as so 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 you know all this prayer again happens thursday night these are um a glimpse into some of jesus last words before he's then arrested mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh then you know beaten then taken to the cross early early that friday morning mm -hmm. And so, um, so we're getting a glimpse into what was, what was on Jesus' mind in his heart in his last few moments yeah. physically here 
on earth. So again, you know, this prayer with his father about himself, his prayer for his disciples, and then the prayer for for those uh, who were to come. And that was kind of what we zoomed in on again Mm -hmm. because of some Mm -hmm. of the very important elements uh, that are present in that particular prayer. And what they tell us, again, very much tied, uh, fits almost like a hinge within this series to some degree. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. So in, the, in that chapter, we focus on John 17. Jesus speaks a lot about his mission yep. being accomplished. Uh, he talks about that he's yep. finished the work that his father right. has sent him to yes. do, yep. that he's completed that. So like, mm-hmm. what, what is Jesus talking about? What, is he, what work has he completed? Yeah, and I think this this can be an interesting one because you know, um, I mean, Jesus Jesus says that he has finished the work. You know, I mean, he says that you know, toward uh, in, in the beginning of John seventeen, he says he says these words. He says, "I brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to yeah. do." I think that's John seventeen four. Um, you know, and so that can be a little bit confusing because you know he hasn't yet gone to the cross, and so mm-hmm. sometimes we would look at that and say, "Well, it wasn't the completed work." Uh, of Jesus what what happened then on the cross and certainly I think that's true but Jesus is thinking about all these other things that he was sent to do now Mm -hmm. I think the trouble is that sometimes in our theology if we allow ourselves to believe um, that Jesus came only or primarily just to die on the cross then we would look at these words that uh, Jesus speaks in John 17 and we would say well then he certainly didn't finish the work that his father sent him to do Um, and, and certainly we have to acknowledge he didn't finish that piece of the work his father sent him to do, which allows us to see that the work of Jesus was larger than mm-hmm. just going to the cross and dying. Mm-hmm. Now, it was, mm-hmm. it's very, very important. In fact, um, we, uh, we, I opened uh, the message on Easter Sunday um, actually reading the passage from 1 Corinthians 15, mm-hmm. where Paul says very plainly, you know, um, to the Corinthian Christians, reminding them of what matters most and what is most important. And Paul says, I, I preached to you what is of most importance. I shared you what was, what was shared with me as a first importance that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. So basically as fulfillment of prophecy, Jesus gave his life for our sins, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day. All of this of first importance according to the scriptures. So, um, you know, would we say that certainly a, a good portion or even the primary work of Jesus was, yes, to come and give his life to redeem us from our sins? Certainly, that, that's what we celebrate on Easter, but not just that. And sometimes I think we, we zoom in on that as though that that is all that Jesus came to do. Mm-hmm. But we see in the Gospels that's simply not true. So what are some of the completed mm-hmm. works of Jesus at this point as he's saying very plainly, I brought you glory yeah. by finishing the work you gave me to do. Well, uh, you know, he had called and chosen 12 disciples. Mm-hmm. And then he had mm-hmm. invested in them for a period of years. And then he invested in 72 others. Uh, then he invested in others beyond that so that the circle had grown to probably roughly 120 or actually probably even more by this point in time. So Jesus had been investing in mm-hmm. these disciples, these followers, and that was a work. Um, Jesus had had times where where, excuse me, he had to oppose the Pharisees and the religious teachers of that day. Man, you talk about that being uh, an incredibly difficult thing. Yeah. Um, you know, think about the fact that for, for even for, for Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for us, us to matter, Jesus had to be just like the lamb at Passover was a spotless, mm-hmm. blemishless mm-hmm. lamb. Jesus had to be a spotless, 
blemishless lamb. Mm-hmm. He had to be without blemish, without spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even that, you know, Jesus is reflecting. I mean, you know, can you imagine getting to that moment and say, I did it. I lived 33, yeah. whatever it was, how many, however many years, and there's a debate, 33. Sometimes people will go even as much as 36 years because of the question of when exactly Jesus was born. But can you imagine even living a day without committing any sort of sin whatsoever? Yeah. And Jesus is saying, I've lived my whole life to this moment without sin. Mm. You know, so all these different things that Jesus could have That's been really reflecting good. upon really saying, good. that is finished. I mean, I, I've done it. It's accomplished. So it is. It's like I think it's a mission accomplished kind of statement at that point. I think that's, I think that's um, really helpful. In many ways, because I know I've read that before and just been not re- a little bit confused about like what mm-hmm. is Jesus saying that he's completed the work, mm-hmm. but before the cross, before resurrection, yeah. and I've had a little right. confusion on that. So I think that's really helpful. Yeah, it does give a broader view yes. to everything Jesus yes. is doing. Because yes. you're right. Because in some versions of Christianity, maybe it yes. does seem more like it is. It's just about dying on the cross Absolutely. when his mission was was bigger than that. Yes. Um, certainly, that was a huge. I don't mean in any way to undermine the cross no, in any way, no. but it, no, it was a more robust. Thing. Yeah, it's just more That's holistic. Um, you know, That's I think good. certainly when you hear some people say the completed work of Christ you know what they're talking about is right away the completed work of the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and certainly uh, we know that what Jesus did for us on our behalf in one moment um, in that sense was what won the victory over sin and death or in that moment from crucifixion and death to resurrection. So that's again why Paul comes back and says, this is of first importance, this is really important. But if we do that and we neglect the rest of his life, we're making a mistake. Yeah. Now, if we only look at, as some do, at the rest of his life, then we can wind up with the conclusion that Jesus was just a really wonderful teacher, and then we can mm-hmm. start to mm-hmm. you know, get into moralizing and other things like that and make him kind of a wonderful person yeah. who developed a following, and then we miss kind of the Son of God nature. But we can fall into the trap of doing one of the two of those things instead of really having a holistic understanding of Jesus, which, again, this prayer allows us to, or maybe actually what this prayer doesn't allow us to do, is only zoom in on the resurrection as the finished, completed work of Christ. We have to look at the rest of his life, uh, the rest of Jesus' life, to see what that completed and finished work was. And what was Jesus saying in that moment? This is finished. This is Mm -hmm. completed. I finished the work you sent me to do. And Mm -hmm. and certainly, Mm -hmm. that was everything but this last moment on the cross. Where, by the way, um, we also looked at John 19. Jesus again comes to comes back to that theme, um, you know. And then John says, knowing that he finished. Now everything was finished, you know. So obviously, it went, when uh, when John goes that place where he says, you know, that Jesus knew in this moment that it all was finished, right? That it now had everything now had been finished. So that I mean, that is the work of John. It's a total completion of all the things that Jesus came to do. Um, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, he cried out, I'm thirsty. And then after that, he cries out uh, in this loud voice, it is finished, everything is finished, including the work of the cross at that point. So this whole uh, this whole prayer of John mm-hmm. 17, often called high priestly prayer, different yeah. titles mm-hmm. we put on it, yeah. um, is this is taking place within this last week yeah. of Jesus' life and maybe <clears throat> like really, really close to his death, yes. maybe the night before. Um, 
And so what is, why was this important in this moment of Jesus' yeah. life? Like why this prayer at this time of declaring that his work is complete? Yeah. I mean, maybe that's obvious and that it's about, yes. to, that he's about to die, but I don't know, is there anything else mm -hmm. you'd add to the significance of it right here at this point in the story? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, I mean, um, if we think about this just in the sense of, um, you know, someone's last words, or if I knew I was going to have the last opportunity to, uh, if I was going to have an opportunity to share something with someone and I would never see them again, I would be thinking very hard about what those words are going mm -hmm, to be. Mm -hmm. And so I would choose the things that mattered most. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, I, I love baseball, but I'm not going to be talking about baseball at that point in time. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm surrounded by my kids and, you know, I've got you know, an hour or two left, um, we're going to be talking about the things that matter most in life. I'm going to be talking about what I hope for them and what I see in them, you know, mm -hmm. casting vision for them, how proud I am of them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I may even be reflecting on my, I mean, we see that. We see that in Jesus. He's reflecting on, um, you know, what was I here to do? Did I do it? Yes, I accomplished it all. Then he starts to cast vision for his disciples about what they're going to do, the hopes he has for them, the belief he has in what they're going to do through the power of the Father. Uh, he's asking his Holy Father to protect them from the evil one because he's saying, I've been here with them, and in that time, I've been protecting them. I'm not going to be here with them anymore uh, in a physical body, so now you protect them. Uh, then he turns to praying um, you know, for the church and for unity for the church, again, so that the world might believe so there's this, there's this importance of the church uh, being focused on the right things because that's what destroys uh, unity, really, is when we start focusing on, on things that are not really the mission of the church. If we can stay focused on the mission, then a lot of the peripherals aren't worth fighting about, really. You know, and so I think back to uh, something that, uh, that Rick Warren, uh, the lead pastor at Saddleback Church, said years ago. He says, um, you know, basically anytime God's purposes are not clearly communicated, People will create their own purposes, you know, their own purpose for the church, and lobby for those purposes as if they were the purpose of the church. Mm -hmm. You know, so of course that comes from you know purpose-driven life or purpose-driven church, one of the two, and I can't remember exactly when, but that, you know, I, I read that probably 20 years, and that stuck with me because I saw that so true. Um, you know, so we can get to where we can, uh, you know, be quite divided because we've created in our minds, well, this is the purpose of the church, and this is the purpose of the church, and this is the purpose of the church, and Jesus is plainly giving. Uh, in that casting a vision uh, for his disciples and then for those who were to come, he's plainly telling them what the purpose of the church is. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. to live in such a way that verifies that God the Father sent him, mm -hmm. that he is God the Son, and then I think everything that goes with that, you know, even the, the crucifixion, the death, the resurrection, and what all that means, the mission that he imparts to us as well. And so, you know, in that moment, we can see what's on his mind. Again, I think that's, that is what's so big, is that we get this window uh, into what, was, what Jesus was thinking, uh, what he was then praying yeah. in those last moments. And so yeah, I think that's, that's it's super, super significant in that. I think, you know, again, um, you know, I, if I were to think about, you know, my words when I believe there's nothing important and nothing pressing, I'm going to talk to you about whatever. Mm -hmm. We'll shoot the breeze and what, but if I know this could be it, I'm going to talk to you about what matters most. Mm -hmm. No doubt about that. So I think that's what we're mm -hmm. getting a glimpse into, what, what truly matters most 
in Jesus' heart and in his mind at that point for his really disciples, good. for himself, for those who were to come. You talked about that revealing a lot mm -hmm. about the purpose of the church. So mm -hmm. this next question maybe connects with that in some respect. Is that You made this statement in the message mm -hmm. I found really helpful and said that as Jesus' work in his physical body came to an end, yeah. the work of his body, the church, was just beginning. Can you share mm -hmm. a little bit more about that? Let's just talk yeah. about that statement a little bit more. Um, because if, that, if, I mean, if that's true, that's yes. some really serious implications on us yes. as the church, as any of us who call ourselves right. uh, believers, if we're yes. a follower of Jesus, if we're in the local church, like this has really serious uh, implications on us. Yeah, and so, um, you know, in that statement, I will say I, I spent a lot of time trying to get that statement, I think, as concise and as right as I could, because mm -hmm. uh, one, obviously we know the work of Jesus continues to this mm -hmm. day. We know that uh, through the Holy Spirit, through the work of Scripture, uh, and through the work of the church, the work of Jesus continues to this day. And so, you know, I wanted to be very clear at the beginning of that, what we're talking about is, you know, Jesus' work in his physical body coming mm -hmm. to an end. And Jesus realizes that. Again, he's speaking words of finality. So it is, it's finished. And then he declares very, very plainly, uh, John 19, it is finished. I mean, that's, you know, he had a physical body just like you and I do. And, and when he died, that, that physical body in the sense was gone. Uh, we don't necessarily know. We speculate what, uh, what the resurrection body will look like. Um, but if we trust the words of the Apostle Paul, it, it'll be as different as a seed is from what the actual plant, the grown plant, is like. You know, so there's, mm -hmm. there's a difference. There's a glorified body, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in a sense, that, that is coming. And so Jesus was saying this temporary tent or shell, this, my work in this body is done. Mm -hmm. um, but throughout that prayer, we see this, this looking forward. I mean, this very, very uh, direct looking forward, first to what's going to happen in the next generation, as he has been working with the disciples who, who by the way, were, were likely uh, very young, as he called them. We sometimes have in our minds, you know, well, how old would the disciples have been? You know, how old was Peter when Jesus called him? The reality was Jesus was probably the oldest of that traveling bunch going around place to place, at least mm -hmm. certainly from the called 12. Uh, we know that uh, most likely because, as, you know, as the, as the you know, theologian, uh, Christian thinker, Ray Vanderland points out, um, you know, when, when the time came to pay the, the temple tax, Jesus tells Peter, hey, you go down and you get a coin for you and me out of this fish's mouth. I mean, kind of a crazy story. But he doesn't look for the temple tax from anyone else because the temple tax was only paid for those who were over 12 or over 21. <laughs> and so, um, so likely Peter was the only one of the disciples over 21. That, that's, that's most likely yeah. as we kind of do the math on that. And so you had these guys who were still very young who had um, in many ways all their lives ahead of them. You know, we know that uh, at least by tradition, many of them living on mission came to um, pretty grisly ends as they were, as they were martyred mm -hmm. for their faith. Uh, but we know of John most likely living, you know, uh, a long, long full life. Um, you know, even writing, uh, you know, Revelation probably sometime in, in the 1890s. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so, um, you know, the reality was he has this vision for what's going to happen in this first generation through the message of the disciples as they start going. And in that, 
you know, again, remember, he's praying in front of his disciples to his father. He says these words, as you sent me. Um, and some translations will actually render that in the same way you sent me. I'm sending them into the world. So in the same way you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. Well, how was Jesus sent into the world? I mean, certainly he, he was sent. I mean, we talk about kind of the, the incarnation. And then we also mm -hmm. talk about um, our call to be incarnational in the sense that we're saying we are, we are called to car, uh, carry Jesus with us everywhere we go so that the Holy Spirit of God himself dwells in us. Well, we know that that's what was coming. We've been talking about that lately. Uh, you know, Jesus again said to his disciples earlier in, in this week recorded in John's gospel, I'm leaving, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. When I leave, I'll send him and he's going to lead you now as I have been leading you. Mm -hmm. so, so this is gonna be a good thing. It's actually gonna be better for you if I go and if he comes. And so Jesus had very much a vision for what would happen in the next generation and really what then becomes the first generation of the church as we see on the day of Pentecost the church being formed and established with 3,000 responding to the message that Peter preached that day and then what we see happening now in the next uh, probably decade in the first early chapters of Acts up to the time of the persecution that began uh, by the, from the Jews upon uh, those first early Jewish Christians um, at that point. Um, I mean, we see this, uh, this vision of Jesus coming to reality as the church begins to grow mm -hmm. and leave its mark first mm -hmm. in Jerusalem. And then we see throughout the rest of Acts starts to make its mark on uh, the rest of uh, kind of the, the Western world at that point, moving mostly, uh, moving mostly toward the West with, with the gospel through Paul's journeys. Uh, through the journeys of others as well. And so, I mean, we see this happening, right? I mean, we mm -hmm. see this happening that as Jesus' work in his physical body came to an end, the work of his body, the church, was just beginning. Mm -hmm. We see that to be very true. And so, um, you know, Jesus had a vision for what that was going to look like in the next generation. But what's wild is then Jesus extends this prayer in John 17 well beyond those disciples to those who would come to believe in him through the message that they would preach, the disciples that is, that next generation of believers. Um, and so we see amazing, amazing things happen against all odds. You know, I've talked before about uh, this book that I uh, really enjoyed reading here in the last several months. It's called The Patient Ferment of the Early Church that talks about against all odds, the, the, the Christian church, this, this, this young, uh, small and persecuted new uh, group of followers, what, what almost what certainly treated as a, a new religion uh, by both the Jews and then by the Romans as well, um, slowly against all odds became to grow and then all of a sudden just exploded to where I think in a, a 50 year span from roughly maybe year 200 to roughly 250, we go from roughly there being about 40,000 Christians in the world to now 250,000 Christians mm. wow. during a time of pretty intense persecution, by yeah. the way. Yeah. So, um, you know, again, so we see that, um, and it was, it was things that were, were happening, Ben, were, were amazing. I mean, when you look at some of the accounts of why the early church grew, it was because they were doing the things that Jesus did. Mm -hmm. I mean, we sometimes think that the, mm -hmm. the miracle ceased kind of after the apostolic generation, but, but actually when we read church history, we, we don't find that to be 
uh, particularly true because we actually see that it was it was miracles that continued that continued to draw people into the Christian mm -hmm, community. Mm -hmm. So there were continued miracles, but it was not just the miracles uh, that happened. It was also uh, the fact that they were living and loving like Jesus did. Yeah. I mean, when you think about the fact that, uh, that the early church became known, man, Rome, uh, the Roman Empire, I should say, not just Rome as a city, the Roman Empire was, uh, was a pretty ruthless place. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they valued things like beauty and physical perfection. We think we've got a crazy society today because, you know, all of our magazines like, you know, us and Vogue and People and all, you know, all the magazines that probably people are like, oh, I didn't even know that Paul would know those magazines, right? But um, yeah, I stand in the grocery store line just like everybody else, and I see what the names of those magazines are. Um, you know, we definitely glorify those things, mm -hmm. but the Roman Empire very much did as well. I mean, absolutely glorify those things. And the way, to the extent in which they lived out this calling to be you know, physically beautiful or just right or, you know, smart, intelligent, all these. I mean, if a child was born that didn't fit the mold, um, that child would often be abandoned hmm. and left to die. And that was societally acceptable. Yeah. That was an okay thing. I mean, we talked about yeah. that, you know, if that happens yeah. within our society, we look at that and we say, what in the world is... This is, this is unbelievable, this is terrible. What is wrong with these parents? And that was completely acceptable. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what the early church did? Took in a lot of yeah. those children. They yeah. went and took in those children and, and people noticed such a different way of living in them. You know, and so uh, we see very, very plainly that, that Jesus knew what was coming. So again, as, as his, Jesus' work in his physical body came to an end, truly the work of his body, the church, was just beginning and it was, you know, it was not just that they did good things and that there were sometimes miracles that happened. It was that they lived their lives truly on mission mm -hmm. for Jesus. I mean, we also talked, I think, about, uh, you know, talked a few weeks ago about the fact that, you know, um, I mean, we had this incredible Easter service yesterday where we're saying, come one, come all. I mean, we want to pack the building. Mm -hmm. We want, you know, as many people as we can get up here uh, to celebrate and worship together. And, and that is the way that predominantly most churches operate. Um, you know, certainly in the Western world, it's mm -hmm. everybody come here, everybody come here. And, and again, as, as we mentioned, and this comes from that same book, uh, The Patient Ferment of the Early Church, that the early church did not grow that way. Yeah. They grew by being on mission for Jesus. So it was my life out in the community. Uh, and as I'm engaging others in the community, I'm sharing with them the good news of Jesus, but I'm not telling them about our church that meets on Sunday. In fact, you're not allowed to come until you're a believer. Mm -hmm. And that was the way that the church operated for uh, on and off for roughly the first two centuries of its existence. Um, mm. You didn't get to come to the church if you weren't already a believer. Yeah. You know? And so um, they only grew, not through let's attract people to these wonderful worship experiences, they only grew by being truly on mission for Jesus. So again, yeah. the, the yeah. work of his body, the church, I love was that. just beginning in that moment. That's that's really good. So I mean, that does have, as you say, very serious implications. Yeah, serious implications. If that is, I mean, since we are we are the body right. of Christ, that is continuing. That that work is continuing yep. through. So, where would you land that for us today uh, with a practical step of what yeah. is what does this mean for us? What's one yeah. practice we can do to be faithful to Jesus? So again, I said you know this this message or this even this podcast kind of exists as a hinge in this series to some degree, um, 
And so we're, we're going from one thing, thinking about being called and chosen, uh, thinking about them being trained and equipped, and there were some real practical implications in that. Um, and then next week's message and, and the, the podcast, there will be some very uh, definite and serious practical implications. I would say for this one, kind of being this hinge, I think there's only one real practical application, and it's one that, um, that maybe kind of revolves around the way we think about what it means to be the church. What does it really mean? Okay. You know, as we look in this prayer, we okay. see very much Jesus' vision for the next generation that was to come, his, his first disciples, and then all those who would believe in him because of his message. We mm -hmm. see that implication, I think, mm -hmm. very, very plainly. I mean, they were supposed to be sent just as he was sent. Um, that, that was the implication. Um, you know, I, I think... Many of us probably have the wrong idea at times, or you know, I know that I have at times have had the wrong idea of what what the church is, what it really means to be part of the church. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we see that just in just in language that we use uh, from time to time. Um, this idea of thinking that we go to church. Yeah, yeah. So when Sunday comes, I go to church. That's where church is. Mm -hmm. um, when I'm out living the rest of my life. Well, church is still there. It's both uh, a temporal thing, it happens on Sunday mornings, or if you have something else happening during the week, well, maybe you go to church for that too. Uh, but that's where church is. You know, so you go to church and then when you're out, it's not necessarily church, you mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. um, when, when we can see very plainly that Jesus' vision for church was not about a place that you go to and that you attend, um, it was about something that redefined your life entirely. You are now part of the church. So what does it look like to be a part of the church? Well, it, it, it means that we're going to pay attention to Jesus' vision for what was coming as opposed to sometimes what we've turned the church into. And so I think, yeah. you know, I think one practical thing, and certainly in preparation for what we'll talk about next week, is maybe doing some battle, you know, internally with whatever you believe church is about, whatever you've seen church to yeah. be, whatever even we've modeled at times that was um, that maybe be that maybe was not on on mission or maybe uh, didn't have a good mission centered focus to it uh, was very much just about being a place where we went, a group of people that we uh, belonged to when we were there on a Sunday morning. Um, you know, I, so uh, our dis discipleship minister Rob Shaver talks mm -hmm. about um, this thinking of, uh, you know, that that uh, he, he challenges our small groups to think this way, to think uh, upward, inward, outward, and forward. And some some folks who are listening to this podcast are likely familiar with that, as Rob has uh, talked about that before. But if not, I'll explain that just mm -hmm. real quickly. Um, you know, within small groups, but within the life of every disciple, we ought to be thinking in an upward way, or challenging ourselves to live with an upward focus, which is. We're focusing on the relationship that we have with God and that relationship growing. Mm -hmm. um, then, uh, you know, then we have this inward. We're focusing on on personal kind of growth as well. And then within the small group, then we're actually focusing on the relationships we have mm -hmm. with those people within the small group. And we might say that exists in the church as well. So we're trying to develop this community then that really is centered on, um, you know, coming and worshiping God. Which, which is what the church has been a lot about, and that's good. We ought to be about that. 
than coming and being together and then, you know, maybe kind of growing and developing and all the things that kind of go along with that to some degree. Um, you know, but that is what we've really allowed church to be about primarily is those first two. Same thing's true with small groups. Yeah. It's kind of this upward thing, you know, want to you know, have this kind of relationship with God and inward. I want to have this relationship with others, maybe even kind of work on myself to some degree mm -hmm. to become a better person or whatever, whatever that looks like. Um, we've largely neglected the outward. And you can really see, I mean, Jesus' prayer in John 17, what was Jesus focused on? Well, he was really focused on, uh, again, very much mission-centered language. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. You know, his calling, even uh, as he's praying to his Father, and again, disciples listening in, uh, as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. You mm -hmm. know, in the same way that you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. And so now Jesus is using this very outward language. And then... Um, then he really starts to think in the sense of vision or he prays this vision as well for all that were to come and would believe in him through the message that the disciples would preach for all generations forward. Um, he has this very much forward thinking language. And so, you know, again, maybe we're, we're calling people just as we did at the beginning of the podcast today, uh, as we think, as we thought about what was Jesus' mission on this earth, to think about that in a, in a holistic yeah. way. We're calling people to think about what it means to be the church in a holistic That's way good. to realize That's that good. there's, yes, there is upward yeah. to it. Yes, let's work on that relationship with God. Let's get to know Him better. Let's get to know Scripture. Yes, there is inward, especially in groups and in the church and even personally, you know, build relationships with others. That's really good. But let's not forget, if we really want to be the church, we're going to be thinking outward. We're going to be living mm -hmm. on mission. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are. It's going to be everyday thing. Um, and then we're going to be thinking forward in the sense of vision as well about the generations that are to, that are to come who will believe in Jesus mm -hmm. because of the message we are preaching and because of the lives we are living right now. So uh, again, that would be the practical step. Um, allow your vision of church to be challenged if it is not a holistic view of what it really looks like to be the church. Awesome. Well, that's really good, Paul. Thank you for sharing that this week. And uh, enjoy, enjoy having these conversations. Look forward to diving into next week's uh, content. Yeah, me too. As we move forward. So thank you all for joining us once again for Practice Makes Faithful. Mm -hmm. We always welcome any feedback you have. You can reach out to us at practicemakesfaithful at gmail.com or comment on any of our videos, podcasts. Absolutely. And uh, we'd just love to hear from you, hear any of your thoughts on this. So mm -hmm. we thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, God bless you all.